I'm going to go to the story behind the song, and I'm delighted to have on the line John Cadell. Hi, John. How are you? Hi, Mario. How are you keeping? John, we made no apologies for picking this uh, this t- this song and this type of song that you picked. Um, yes. Uh, bearing in mind the week that's in it, what song have you chosen? Uh, I have chosen Nina Simone's version of I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel To Be Free. And when you say version, actually, um, you say Nina Simone's version. Are there other versions? Yeah. Well, yeah, it wasn't actually written by her. It was written by uh, two guys called Billy Taylor and Dick Dallas in 1963. Um, And Nina recorded it in 1967. Um, It became a... It was adopted by the civil rights movement in the 1960s, uh, primarily due to its lyrics. Um, And Nina herself was heavily involved in the civil rights movement. Um, She had been with a, a... record label called Cole Picks and one of her songs, one of her singles for that um, label was called Mississippi Goddamn which was written in 1963 about the murder of Medgar Evers by a white supremacist group and also about the burning of a Baptist church uh, which resulted in the death of four black girls and uh, the blinding of a fifth. So this sort of is, is what awoke Nina to what she could do uh, to assist the civil rights movement in the USA in the uh, middle to late 60s. Mm. And she was she was very active in the civil rights movement. And th- this song, as I said, became something of an anthem for that movement. Um, and it's her version that was adopted. And it's her version, I think, that is the definitive version. Mm. And what about the lyrics, etc.? Well, the lyrics... Uh, they they sort of talk about the, the plight and the frustration of the black community, but at the same time, uh, they sort of they're hopeful in that they outline what freedom and equality would look like. Um, and interestingly, in the second verse, uh, Nina directly addresses those who oppress the black people. And the second half of the second verse goes, "I wish you could know what it means to be me." then you'd see and agree that every man should be free. Now, most of the lyrics say, you know, I wish I knew what it would feel to be free. This is what I would do. This is what it would be like. Um, these are all the things that I would love to do. And the second half of the second verse is the punch in the gut. It's it's more or less saying, I can't be all these things because of the people who are oppressing me. And if you knew what it was like to live in my skin and to walk in my shoes... Uh, you would probably think differently. So it's it's a wake up call to to I suppose uh, white people. Let's let's be honest. Back in the uh, civil rights movement of the sixties, which is you know scarily valid, certainly uh, in twenty twenty, scarily valid today. It is not. not a, you said sixty seven, and that would have been a year before Martin Luther King was assassinated, and indeed yeah. uh, Bobby Kennedy was assassinated. Yes, um, and Nina Simone herself, famously uh, Dr. King. Uh, he favoured non-violent protest. Nina Simone uh, was not a fan of non-violence. She said that, you know, if that's what, if violence is what it took uh, for the black people to be uh, given equality, well, then that's what it took. And she famously went up to Dr. King and said, just so you know, I am not a non-violent person. And apparently, apparently he laughed and said, it's okay, sister, you don't have to be non-violent. Is, um, yeah, that's, you, that's, a, that's a really interesting aspect about the whole civil rights movement, uh, John, just to deviate slightly. Because, yeah. um, I mean, people, it's just, we've been talking about this all morning, but people wonder, um, how did women get the vote? 
And women got the vote not by just turning up passively and uh, holding little placards up and then going home yeah. for a cup of tea and making their husbands uh, their dinner and saying, would you please give us yeah. the vote? Women yeah. won the vote through civil disobedience. And there comes That's a time it. in society when law and order, as our friend over in Washington likes to tweet out every 15 <laughs> minutes, isn't what's required, that there has to be a level of we have to break through this civil disobedience. And that's an interesting aspect that, um, an interesting aspect to the movement that she was highlighting. The, Mm -hmm. if you like, the active movement, the violent movement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are people far more qualified than me to to talk about this sort of stuff, Mario. So I suppose like a lot of uh, Caucasian people at the moment, I'm sort of found wanting in all of this. Um, You sort of, you sort of think that you can't speak with any sort of experience or any sort of direct experience about what people of colour are going through at the moment and have gone through for the last few years. So I feel like something of a fraud discussing this. But Hmm. um, Malcolm X was the other side of the coin. Malcolm X, uh, he was very into, you know, direct action. And he and Nina Simone were neighbours and they used to go to each other's houses and discuss these things. Of course, Dr. King would talk about uh, peace and, you know, the, the dreams for the for the colored community, whereas Malcolm X would be like, we're not standing for this anymore. You, you know, you know, we need to do whatever it takes to make the white man see sense, make the white man st- stand up and pay attention and to give us the rights that we deserve. So there was two sides of the same coin. So what Nina was more aligned with. Malcolm X's view of things um, than Dr. King's, though she respected him and was a, indeed was a friend of his. Um, her civil rights work is when she said she felt most alive because she said that she felt as though she was doing something that was helping her people. And Nina Simone, is she, she was a force to be reckoned with. She wasn't the easiest character in, in, in a lot of ways. Mm. And she had a very, very tragic life um, in lots of ways as well. She um, suffered from mental mental health issues. She was in at least one abusive marriage. Um, she also had a difficult relationship with her daughter. But she said when she was able to stand up and be counted and to actually make a difference in the lives of uh, her people, that that is when she felt at her most useful. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the uh, words in front of me. As you say, it's, it's, it's considering how, um, considering how militant she was, if you like, the song. Yeah. The song is so poignant and hopeful and gentle. Yeah. And well, the thing is, the thing is, Mario. To, sorry to interrupt. You, yeah. But it, it's fascinating because it's a very sort of. I don't want to say it's a jaunty melody, but it's yes. a very sort of upbeat major key. You can imagine a gospel choir singing it. It's it's one of those uplifting songs musically, but lyrically, there's a punch in the gut. Yes. You know, it's like the iron fist beneath the velvet glove. Yes. Um, like so many great songs, yes. that, you know, that like I'm just thinking completely out of context. But to give an example, Help by the Beatles is actually a very, very sad song lyrically. But musically, it's this sort of like boppy number. I, uh, and this song, uh, although different theme, is, is the same sort of thing. You sort of tap your toes. You know, for God's sake, it was used as a theme song for... Barry Norman's Film 92, Film 93, it was a different version, an instrumental version of I Wish I Knew um, was used for a film show team for countless years. So musically, it's very boppy, but um, lyrically, it is, you know, pay attention.
Well, John, this is what we're facing. Off you go and introduce this great song. This is the definitive version of I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free by Nina Simone. Feed to be free. 